Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Mosa Duran, and this is Beyond the Kale, the podcast where people come to share their vegan stories. Now, whenever somebody finds out I'm vegan, I get all kinds of questions, including... How do you get your protein? Being vegan is expensive, right? How do you go vegan? What's your name? And the one that I get more often than I ever thought I would... How can you be Mexican and vegan? Now, to be honest, the answer usually depends on who's asking, because sometimes... I just don't feel like getting into it. But that ain't happening here. On Beyond the Kale, we're getting into all types of topics, including some that we as vegans often just don't talk about. Episode number six, coming right up. My name's Armando Aviles. I'm a vegan chef vegan for about 12, 13 years now. Hard as hell at first. My favorite places to eat. My first place I usually I go to as far as when I'm in the city is Champs in the Brooklyn, of course. But when I just went to Vegas uh, this past like two weeks ago, Chef Kenny's in Vegas was also really, really incredible. I eat there three times. First vegan sushi I've had in a long time. First dragon roll I've had in a long time. Uh, you know, vegan, uh, vegan salmon, vegan... Uh, Let's see, vegan, uh, everything pretty much. Hello, welcome to Beyond the Kale, episode number six. Armando Aviles is a vegan chef at Brooklyn Organic Kitchen in Mayapac, New York. He's been cooking for years, and this is how he describes his cooking style. I am a modern take on veganism. Everything is traditional. I can make vegan. In this episode, you'll hear more about what inspires him when he's in the kitchen and the role his Puerto Rican heritage plays in the process. We're not a full-blown vegan place because there's a full-blown vegan situation to where I am located won't fully 100% work. You'll also hear what it's like for a vegan chef to work in a restaurant that is not 100% vegan, why Armando says that can actually help restaurants and the entire vegan movement as well. Plus, my son was, he's not, he's, he's a very picky eater. I mean, he'll eat vegan if he has to. My daughter is pretty much against vegan. She's like, ill, it's vegan. Vegan parents raising kids who are not vegan. How that entire situation came to be and how he and his wife make it work. But we start this episode off with Armando explaining where his love of food and cooking comes from. Check it out. I've been cooking since I was, you know, walking with my grandmother. You know, how, how us Puerto Ricans and all Spanish Latinos uh, with, their, with, the, with their grandparents, they always got to be in the kitchen cooking, cooking, cooking. You know, first thing I remember as a child was uh, pasteles. When it comes to Christmas and New Year's, Eve, uh, New Year's, you know, family comes and we just eat pasteles. And I was in the kitchen for a week straight, cooking nonstop. I mean, I've been in the industry since I was like 15 years old. Um, I'm 37 now, so I've been in the industry for you know, 17 years, pretty much. Tell me a little bit about where you're currently at, how you got there. Is the establishment you work at completely vegan? No, it's 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 based. I'm a total vegan. Um, uh, since May of last year, I took part in a. Uh, restaurant that's already uh, established called Brooklyn Organic Kitchen in Mayapak. I was actually doing their uh, vegan uh, pastries. She came to me and asked me if I just wanted to be a part, make everything half and half. She wanted a concept like that. She didn't have it until I showed up. She came to me, asked me, uh, what do I think about it? And I was down. I mean, I've always dreamed about doing vegan in an establishment where they was appreciated. 
because I was in an establishment before then that I have done vegan things for them, but it was never appreciated because of the mm. narrow minds that were going out there. You know, you can never fully do vegan stuff or vegan stuff is not really a, a thing of the culture at that time um, to where it was, you know, lucrative. And yeah. so, you know, COVID hit, I was an executive sh- banquet chef doing weddings, three weddings, four weddings at a time. And mm. COVID hit, didn't have a job, uh, you know, so I was at home cooking, trying new things, uh, just trying to keep myself sane. Yeah. Just learning new techniques of how I wanted to do, how I wanted to become more vegan uh, as far as cooking is concerned. Started my own little uh, vegan regime, which was a, a take of uh, already made food, vegan. So where they, you know, have a location to pick up, yeah. they can enjoy, heat it up and so forth. Uh, started that. And then that's when she found me. And then this is where I'm at now. <laughs> You said that the place you worked at previously, you didn't really feel like your input as a vegan chef wasn't always necessarily appreciated. What has that been like for you as a chef to be in a place that actually not only welcomes it, but is really just embracing it and allowing you to, to I guess, get creative in the kitchen as far as uh, veganism goes? Well, the first when I was trying to establish the vegan because I was doing weddings and I was like, let's do vegan weddings. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you there's a niche there. You know, since I'm from New York and, you know, people like from New York City want to come up and enjoy a wedding, but they don't know where to go if they're vegan or not. Yeah. So I was trying to bring that in there. I did two full blown vegan weddings, you know, 150 plus um, five, five course meals, appetizers, entrees, desserts, everything straight vegan. So I did two of those. But um, what really gave me uh, a grasp on how uh, narrow minded people were was. Where I, I live at, there was a uh, burger a burger bash, a burger fest, where they was doing, you know, a bunch of places, restaurants were coming in yeah. and introducing a burger. So I did it one year when it was just a regular burger, helping out, trying to get the experience. And then two years down the line, everybody has, has left uh, the restaurant that I was at at the point, And they asked me to take over, and I wanted to do something totally different. So I did a full-blown vegan burger at a meat fest, pretty much. <laughs> The only one there. So I was, you know, I, I, I raised, I, I raised my name up there. Um, people noticed it because they didn't really think it was vegan. Yeah. But um, people, you could tell how people are very narrow minded. Cause once you say they're vegan, they're like, no, I don't want it. Yeah. You yeah. know, which kind of sucks, but it, it, it goes to show that me as, as a chef wanted to be more vegan showed me that I can actually do it. So I did it, mm-hmm. you know? So from there, it was a struggle. Uh, that was maybe about a year before COVID. So um, I did the two weddings. Uh, once the weddings were over, uh, you know, did my regular cooking. Still had the vegan on, on my mind and COVID hit. And then COVID banged me to a point where it was uh, sensing that the establishment that I was wasn't appreciating mm-hmm. me. So I had to reinvent myself and become more to what I feel is right in me doing. Yeah. So then... um. At that place, that's when I was still doing it, but not fully 100% wanting to do it. So I had to find a second and a third. And then that's where it balled up and I took a chance and I leaped, got rid of the one job and mm-hmm. leaped into another job. Now I am very appreciated. My my train of thought on veganism is 100% open. I try things every day. Um, there's not one day I have not tried anything new like today. I was working on Valentine's mm. menu. So I was doing the vegan, 
you know, vegan Wellington. I'm going to do a, a vegan tofu crusted codfish. So I'm, I I have a lot of free reigns on a lot of things that I have to do as far as vegan. So my whole mindset is, is way out the box now to a point where I'm open, freed, a hundred percent active in everything I do. And I, it's not a job for me anymore. I love everything I do. I love every second of what I do. And it's, I wake up knowing that I'm going to work, bringing a light yeah. to veganism and showing people what I can do as far as, I guess you want to so-called say the manipulation of traditional and vegan aspects of things. Has there been anything that you've created since you've been at this new place that has just kind of taken you by surprise? Because like you said, you're constantly trying new things. Has, um, there, has there been anything that you didn't realize you you wanted to make and all of a sudden you were able to make it? Well, I, I do my uh, my oyster mushroom chicken, which was a uh, it's a big sell now. It's, you know, with the hot agave mushroom, it's you know, spicy hot agave with sriracha on a sandwich. Um, that was a big hit. Then also my vegan calamari, which we call it a pull boy now, which is another sandwich is a big hit. And then recently we've been starting to do probably about two, three months now is a uh, vegan Reuben and a vegan Cubano, which that all itself, people are just mortified and terrified that it's not vegan, which it really is. <laughs> I have people come bring the sandwich back. Like this is not vegan. I'm like, it is 100%. Yeah. So that, that, that brings a smile to my face when people really <laughs> think that it's not vegan, when it truly, truly 100% is. So a That's lot of awesome. that stuff, uh, as far as what you can't get anywhere else, it, mm. it, it's, it's, it just brings a light into my heart and changes. And now it makes me want to push more and more and more and more to be more creative and do more things, do more stuff and, and just be positive on the vegan community and show what I can do. That's awesome, man. Another question that I have is working in establishments that are not, you know, 100% vegan, I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that you are often also making dishes that are not vegan. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, I see with, with the person that I work with, her name's Sandra. She's the actual owner of the restaurant. She looks at that and, you know, she knows how I am as far as a vegan. She'll take more hands of the actual meat product so I can focus more on the vegan aspect of things. Wow. So it, it, it's a counterbalance of that situation to yeah. a point where she respects what I do. And she takes a hold of the tr- more traditional stuff. Nice. We're not a full blown vegan place because mm-hmm. in a sense of, you know, money aspect, the money's wise, a full blown vegan situation to where I am located won't fully 100% work. So it, it, it coexists in a line of traditional mm-hmm. vegan, which I know a lot of, couples or families out there have a big struggle on having that one person that that is the oddball out of the entire family that yeah is a vegan yeah you know and instead of going to a place where all you can eat is a salad or a bowl of you know french fries they can come to the establishment and have the exact mm-hmm. same thing the other person's eating but 100 vegan and be satisfied to a point where that person is not vegan actually want to try the vegan yeah. And is blown away about how close comparison it is to the taste, the texture, and just the satisfaction of eating it mm-hmm. that they just don't understand how it can be. No, that's true. That's true. And as somebody that that's in, in one of those relationships that you just mentioned, I, I wholeheartedly 100% agree. Yeah. Um, I guess my question there as well is, though, I mean, for a lot of chefs that maybe, you know, just starting to come up, a lot of vegan chefs that may be younger 
that may have to find themselves in a position that's similar to the one that you're in or you have been in, right? Having to work in an establishment that isn't, again, 100% vegan, do you have any kind of maybe advice or insight as to how they could possibly get past that or should they, right? If they don't feel comfortable themselves working in an an establishment that isn't 100% vegan, what do you say to them? Just keep your head focused on what you truly want to do. I mean, I've been doing, I've been cooking seven, you know, about 17 years. Um, as far as being vegan, it was about, you know, between, you know, 10 to 12 years, roughly around there. Um, I, you know, people looked at me like I was weird because back then vegan wasn't really big. It was more of a salad, mm-hmm. quinoa, French fries, just mainly fruits, vegetables, you possibly can find TVP out there with the soy proteins, which was very hard to find at that point where you can only go to like, you know, the Asian establishments where they truly used it, the tofu and the, mm-hmm. te- the tempa. But now since it's getting to be more mainstream and there's more aspects of, you know, the community helps each other out. So you see a lot of recipes that you can do. You can see a lot of people where they fluctuate and they change the pro- process of doing things, but veganized it's, it's a lot easier now being a vegan chef now than what yeah. it was in the past. Um, people are, you know, are embracing it now to a point where now more, it's not a single person. Now, now you're more of a commodity. Now you're more of an asset to a, a company to where now it's a balance of, you know, the culture, you know, the, the, the intriguing things of actually having vegan options on the menu mm-hmm. to where you can bring more, even if it's a 15, 20% increase into your, you know, your yeah. customer base, it, it helps a business out a lot more to be more open-minded and well-established. Yeah. So as far as coming up now, being a vegan chef, just keep focused, keep your mind, you know, keep, keep your mind focused. Don't sit here and think that it's the end of the world and a lot of places. And in fact, you can actually be your own, your own, vegan chef and start working small like how I did. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have got noticed if I didn't start doing my little meals to go posting on Instagram every week, having a different meal, changing the way people looked at things and people actually, you know, taking their time to invest in looking and posting and commenting that the eyes became on me. And that's when people started talking to me about being vegan. And this is where I'm at now. So it's more of the focus and the more of the the mindset of actually becoming what you want to be. And eventually it will happen. What can you tell me about that meal service that you, you started? Or is that something you're still working on? Uh, no, well, I don't have the time to it because now, you know, between mm-hmm. with the, with the restaurant being in there, um, I haven't had any time. I mean, I literally work six or seven days. I, I basically bake for the oh, restaurant wow. on my off days. Well, you know, all the days I work, I'm there for like 10 hours, uh, you know, from mm-hmm. open to close pretty much. Um, so no, but when I COVID hit, I had nothing to do. And then, um, I actually had another person that was a baker. She was like, why don't you just start cooking food and, you know, we'll sell it out of here. So I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So I started doing meals. So, you know, out of the black containers, I started posting, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing this. Uh, She made me do a Mm. pop-up. You know, I sold about 60 meals that one day, which was remarkable Mm. for me to do. And then from there, it was a weekly following, a weekly drawing. And every week it was a new, um, a new theme of, of meals. And people started flocking, people started coming, people started, you know, seeing it. And that's what it was at this point. So COVID, even though I I could see a lot of COVID hurt people, you know, and I feel selfish about saying COVID helped me. Yeah. 
you know, but COVID did help me and it opened up the eyes of a lot of people and it actually opened up my eyes to do better for myself and be my own person. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because I think we all are aware of, you know, just the devastation that COVID caused on people just around the world, really. And in this country specifically, though, like a lot of people in in the restaurant business, right? Like I have a lot of friends back home in San Diego that, that I know that were hit by that hard, even in LA, some of the vegan vendors that I know that were hit hard by, but it also helped a lot of people. Like you said, it like it helped people realize what it is they wanted to do, right? 100%. I'm curious to know some of the people that were showing up to these pop ups were they all vegan? Were a lot of them vegan? Did you see a lot of people that weren't vegan actually showing up and, and supporting your business? Um, there was a lot of vegans, and there was also people that were vegan that had their spouses or their family not vegan mm-hmm. buy it as well, take it to their family, and have them try it. So okay. I think it was more or less base was probably about 85% vegan. Um, but there was some people that were not vegan that wanted to try something different mm-hmm. because they wanted to get either healthier or they wanted to stay away from the meats and, and wanted to go more vegan wise because they, you know, they, they, yeah. you know, once COVID hit, people wanted to get a little more healthier, a little more staying away from the, the, the meat, the whole, you know, that situation. So I, I think the balance of that was about 85, more or less about 85% vegan. Every week you had kind of a different theme or something. Where did the inspiration for those meals those themes and maybe even just what you do in, you know, in the kitchen on a regular basis, where does the inspiration come from? Throughout my life, the whole time, me cooking regular food, regular food, regular food, regular food. Um, but the real inspiration was when I became vegan and I missed all my Spanish heritage, my penales, my rocangandules, mm. uh, my canegui sales, my pollo guisales, you know, all that stuff, you know, that taste never left my mouth. So my whole goal at that point was how do I make my food that's my tradition vegan? Yeah. You know, and I started off with the rice. I didn't use the chicken broth. I didn't use, I used the vegetable broth. I used the different seasonings and the different sassons, different adobos. Like I tried a lot of different things to a point where when my mom says that it tasted just like how it used to be, I know it was in the right direction. Yeah. So then once that was figured out, then it was the whole point of how, how do I make my penils? Because obviously it's, 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 you know, roasted pork. Mm-hmm. So I choose different aspects and, you know, I always heard the jackfruit, the jackfruit, the jackfruit. So I had to initiate the jackfruit. So I started playing with the jackfruit, you know, didn't come out the first couple of times, but after a while, you know, I kind of figured how to do it, boil it, then season it right. And then oven it, roast it to a mm-hmm. point where it's a nice crisp then it, the flavor started getting in there. So when it comes to being vegan, I think personally, it's more about the flavor of the food than the actual food itself. Mm-hmm. I think you can make anything flavorful and actually taste what it's supposed to be. That's why I use the jackfruit for the banana because as far as the shredding is concerned, the, 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 or more the, the texture is almost like a shredded of the pork. So I did that. So that came out right. Then I started with the ganegi sales, the pollo sales. I mm-hmm. used a little bit of uh, this and that. I made my own seitan with the gluten-free. Did that. Did a lot of recipes to see which one tightened up in yeah. the stew itself. And, you know, didn't come uh, congealed and all the other stuff. So once I perfected that and I knew I could do that, I thought sky was the limit. And I started doing everything else. I started doing different things. As, as a Mexican, Mexican-American. I agree with everything you're saying. You know, we have a very similar cuisine. There's a lot of differences as well, right? Yeah. As far as like the flavors and all of that, a lot of the vegan Mexican food that, that I've been able to try, it's kind of kind of there. You know, it, it's definitely what I remember eating growing up. But 
at least for me personally, I sometimes feel like there's something missing and it isn't necessarily about the food itself. It's about the experience, right? Like us Mexicans, we get together, my family back home, we call it, you know, getting together for a carne asada, right? Get, a, get together uh-huh. on the grill, drinking some beers, making some tacos, whatever. That experience, right? The, the experience of actually being there around the grill or on, you know, at a, at a taquero on the side of a road or maybe even in the kitchen, right? With mom or grandma or whatever. Like sometimes it feels like for me personally, that part of the experience is missing since I've gone vegan. And I'm curious to know, do you find yourself having a similar experience or, or no? Um, it all depends on what I'm cooking. I mean, obviously the panid, the whole slow roast to 12 to 14 hours, that doesn't happen. You know, I usually, when I was younger, put the roast in the oven overnight. When you wake up, you smell it. Yeah. I mean, I remember those little things like that. I remember all those uh, little things. Um, but as far as, since I've been a vegan for so long, um, the whole point of, I mean, when it comes to holidays, usually my mom will cook, everybody else would cook and I would bring my own food. So that whole aspect of things really didn't bother me mm. because it got to a point where, you know, my wife, we're, we're both vegans. It, it got hard to go to a place and not be able to enjoy the experience of actually eating itself. Yeah. So for now that we know how to cook things and it's a lot more of the experience of not the traditional, but the actual point that we can sit down and actually eat with people yeah and yeah. seeing our food on on the table with others that are not mm. you know that are tradition and then them grabbing our vegan food as well and pretty much to a point where we don't have enough food because everybody's eating our food too so that right there the whole aspects blows it out as the whole forest tradition is concerned as far as all that stuff you. yeah so seeing that aspect of the old the old timers you want to cook or say the the abuelos the abuelas and all that other stuff Mm -hmm. eating more of that food too because my mom will come over i I, you know she'll have her traditional food but she'll grab a whole handful of my food i have to try your food too so you know that that that, that brings a smile to my face knowing that they now accept the vegan and they accept us eating vegan food and they will actually eat that food sometimes more than what their traditional food is and it's interesting you say that because I mean, I've had similar experiences as well, right? Whether it be with my mom or, or my, my siblings or anybody, really. But I hadn't really made that connection. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, that 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 it, that is a great experience. So, and you're right. I think it does kind of outweigh maybe whatever I feel I may or may not be missing out on. That's an interesting connection. But you said something that you know they now accept it, right? Your family now accepts veganism. Was that ever a difficult thing for them to maybe get used to the fact that you weren't eating meat anymore? You weren't eating any kind of dairy or animal products whatsoever. In the in the beginning, yes. In the beginning, yes, because you know veganism wasn't really popular. Veganism wasn't really that crazy. So they looked at us like we were like, all right, how long is this going to last before you go back? Yeah. But it got to a point where I couldn't go back because of of health reasons at first. You know, starting vegan, I did a, I was like about 300 pounds at mm. one point. And then um, I heard about this holistic diet situation to where it was like a month and a half, two months of just strictly raw foods, raw diet, all this, you know, cleansing your body and realigning your whole body. I lost 70 pounds in a month and a half. Wow. And just eating raw foods and staying away from all plants. I mean, oh, sorry, all meats, all of that dairy, all the cheeses, all that chemicals, that all all that, pe- all that stuff. So when I tried, I tried to eat meat again, it just didn't hold right with me. Mm. I guess whatever my enzymes in my stomach or whatever else, I could not for my life take it in. So that was to a point where I had to change my lifestyle. 
Yeah. So it really, it, it was a choice, but at the same time, after my choice was done, I couldn't do it again. Yeah. So um, that's when he became, you know, vegan and whatnot. My wife as well, because we both went through this together, you know, to make it a little easier as far as the whole holistic cleanse and diet or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So we both became that. So yeah, in the beginning, it, 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 they made us, you know, it was hard because we would have to literally go there hoping there was food and realistically there was none, or we would go there saying that they had vegan food. Oh yeah, we forgot there's meat in this. So there's meat in that. Or they would make something. Oh, we put bacon in by mistake. Yeah. So it, it, it was harsh. We would just literally eat white rice. Yeah. At, at, at some point, white rice yeah. and salad, which was okay because as long as we ate something. But then it got to a point where we started bringing food enough to for them to eat it, and that's when they started, you know, realizing and that this is us. We're mm-hmm. doing this for now, and that's when they started embracing everything. So it, it took a while for them to do it. You know, especially for, you know, the family that we don't see that much. And they're looking at us like, we're not eating this. We're not eating that. So then everybody started doing it. So now when we go to family, they always have vegan options for us. Oh, nice. Which is very nice. I mean, even people when we used to go visit in California, they already looked up places that were vegan that we were to go try, you know, places like that, which was really, really, really cool. Well, they would actually look up a recipe and ask us to eat it. Or make their beans and rice without the 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 pork in it, without mm-hmm. the the seasonings in it, which was really you know really it was love right there. So I actually you know it was it was it was be- becoming the vegan and staying the vegan was a lot easier after a while. Yeah, that's awesome. I speak about this with a lot of different Latino vegans that I know, and and we all seem to have similar experiences when it comes to that, um, which is interesting to me, right? Because I mean, considering how big of a part family plays in our in our culture. I think it makes sense. Yeah. I'm curious to know as well. And I, I know you said it numerous times already that you believe there's nothing out there that you cannot make vegan, right? Is there something still on your radar that you've been trying to veganize? Maybe a, a recipe from your childhood or something that you haven't gotten yet, but but you're still trying or or anything like that? Um, believe it or not, it would have to be the mosia, which is you know blood sausage. Okay. Uh, that's really, really hard to do as far as that. I mean, the consistency I can do, the casings I can do, all that. It's just the actual fact of it portraying as what it was. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I could do it with beets or whatnot, but you hit the beet flavor. So that's one thing that I would try to actually veganize in the future. But it, it's probably going to take a lot of work for me to do. Well, when you get it, man, let me know. I want to hear about it. You said you and your wife are vegan. Um, you guys went through that transition together. When you realized that maybe there was a possibility that you were not going to be able to go back to the way you were before, right? You were not going to be able to go back to eating meat. No. What was that thought process like for you? Did you immediately accept it? Or were you, you know, I guess, were you worried about the fact that you were not going to be able to eat that stuff anymore? It was hard as shit. I'm not even going to say a lot. It was hard because, you know, when we did it, the vegan, the vegan thing wasn't really there. Um, you know, it was going to a place and eating if they have mashed potatoes or if they had french fries, they had salads, some type of vegetable, even if it was grilled vegetables. Like it was a pain in the ass to eat out. It was more or less now eating home mm-hmm. and less going out because now you don't want to be that, that th- the oddball that not eat what everybody else is eating yeah. or eating something so small. And then you're asking the server what's in it. And there's butter in this and, yeah. you know, butter in that this this seasoning that seasoning so it was more of a now we have to stay home and eat more so it, it was hard it was really 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 tough it, it was it was more or less of how the hell we're we going to do this um mm-hmm. what can we use to substitute this because 
you mean not for nothing going vegan you still have that tendencies of having the meat texture the you know that whole consistency of it like a burger or just like a steak of some sort so we had to really really focus and buckle down and try to figure out how can we do this because me i'm puerto rican but i love tacos yeah and i having not be able to have a taco was just crazy especially in pizzas too like that was another crazy thing how the hell are we gonna eat pizza so you know we we conform to a point where let's not eat cheese on this pizza let's just eat plenty of vegetables throw a whole bunch of vegetables on it and, and try it out and you know little by little you get used to it because mm-hmm. it is an adjustment to a point where your palate since you're first being vegan your that palate is is more towards the there's not a heartier taste or a heartier feel like eating a steak yeah. so when you're eating a pizza you, you you're you're envisioning eating the cheese and you like tasting the cheese or you're eating that meat and you want that consistency of the oozing of the the juices and the texture and the meat so that was really hard so you know com- you know transitioning over and trying to learn different things like eating potatoes more you know crisp them up more to a point where they have that crisp t- that crisp mm. outside and having that nice center middle and then just seasoning it your, the way you want it and just eating it and then figuring it out to your mind aspect of things and then getting used to the adjustment, especially with yeah. mushrooms. Mushrooms is, is the gateway drug, I call it, because once you eat a mushroom the right way, you're never going to stop eating mushrooms. Yeah, I love mushrooms, any type of mushrooms. So once we figured that out, then we started doing the portobello mushroom thing. When we started grilling the mushrooms mm. with the balsamic you know, dressing, seasoning it up making mushroom pizzas and all that yeah. other stuff. So that's how we try to transition it to our way. And it made it a lot easier once that happened. Do you feel that having your background as a chef already helped your transition? Because I yeah. know that when I originally went vegetarian and then vegan, I mean, both those transitions were a little difficult. I found myself eating the same unhealthy things over and over and over again, because I didn't know how to make anything different. You having that background as a chef, do you think that helped you? Oh, 100%. I mean, by cooking so much tradition, it got to a point where I knew how to cook, not with taste, but by smell. Mm. I, I'm really good with that. Um, wow. I can cook anything with just a smell or just I know exactly what needs to go into a, a certain dish yeah. to where when it became vegan, I knew that the same mixtures inside of the vegan, whatever it was, mushrooms or seitan or tempa, tofu, um, the flavor was there. Mm-hmm. It was just more or less of finding the consistency and the texture. Of it. So wow. that was the big, that was the big hurdle for me when it came to that. But as mm-hmm. far as the flavor and the palate, I've always had that. Yeah. Um, everybody's always told me that I've always had the palate for, for flavors, uh, whether I realize it or not. I mean, I realize it now, but as me growing up and doing cooking and just throwing this, throwing that, I mean, I was, I really never had a recipe. Mm. Because as when I was growing up as, uh, you know, with my grandmother, yeah. she was like, just throw this in there, just throw it in there, yeah. throw this, throw this, and it's done. And it always was, it was done. Yeah. So I, I came, I came accustomed to just, you know, a little bit of this, a little mm-hmm. bit of that. So it was no more, it wasn't more or less of measuring. It was more of more mindset and learning the aspects of if there's two, two cups of liquid of this, mm-hmm. I need to add this, I'd add this and that's it. And there's the flavor without even tasting. I found myself developing a taste for different types of things that I never cared for when I went vegan. I was never a big sweets guy, for example. Now I come across a vegan brownie or whatever. I'm all about it. I got to have it. I'm curious. Did you experience anything like that? Or maybe your wife, did you guys experience anything like that? Before I was vegan, um, I was a narrow-minded person. I'm not going to eat that. 
mm, tofu is nasty. This is nasty. I, it's not me. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not even going to try it. So my fleet, my, 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 my palate wasn't all 100% tofu or eating so much veggies or, you know, just the vegan stuff that it is now. So I was far left when it came to that. Yeah. Once I had no choice, but to learn how to do it, I guess my whole transitioning, my whole mindset of everything turned whole 360 and I was able Mm. to try. So now I think more or less being a vegan makes you try things that you never thought you would ever try. Yeah. I think the world is a lot bigger when you become a vegan looking at a menu. When I, before I was vegan, it was always a burger or a steak or just something that was no less near vegetables. And yeah, vegetable came to the side. Okay. That'd be the last thing I eat because it's on my plate. Yeah. Now it's, look at all the menu and figuring out either the place is not vegan, how to construct a vegan dish out of what they have to where it's tasty or actually being venturous and trying new things. Yeah. So I, I think my eyes opened up being a vegan a lot more. I agree. I agree, which is, I guess it's, I don't know if it's ironic word, but when I tell people the same thing, I I think they're kind of surprised by it. They're taken aback a bit because I think there's this perception that vegans are so restricted as far as what we can and can't eat and that our options are so limited out there. When in fact, I mean, like you just said, there's a whole world out there of things that we can eat. So, and it forces you to be creative. Yeah. You, you said, you said you have kids, right? I have two. May I ask how old they are? They're 12 and 10. Are they vegan or no? Oh, no. <laughs> I wish they were. Ah, <laughs> uh, I wish they were. Um, no, they're not. How does that work? Um, I got to cook four or five meals a, a night. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, if, if we were to go eat fast food, it'd be like four different places. I have to stop one vegan place. And I would get chicken nuggets for them, French fries for them, this and that, that and this. So it, it, it's a jump around. Yeah. Um, my son was, is not easy. He's, he's a very picky eater. I mean, he'll eat vegan if he has to, but it will be like more like a vegan chicken nugget. It'd mm. be more, you know, stuff like that. My daughter is pretty much against vegan. She does oh, wow. not, she does not. She's like ill. It's vegan. <laughs> yeah it's one of those things so it's kind of hard um yeah so as far as that's concerned it's it's a real hard task when it comes to dinner Mm. as far as cooking three or four items at a time as far as what between them eating and us eating yeah but it ends up working out i mean i'm used to it now in the beginning it was hard i mean it was just you guys are eating one thing only and one thing only and Mm -hmm. they literally sit there for hours and hours and to a point where all they're going to eat is cereal so um as far as that's concerned yeah i mean no they're not vegan i wish they were but they're not i mean eventually they'll probably as they get older they'll probably think about it and try more things yeah 12 and 10 i mean i know i was 12 and 10 i was stubborn yeah eating certain things and only certain things but uh, no, they're not vegan at all. And you said you've been vegan how long? About 10 to 12 years. So I guess my question is, was that ever a conversation you and your wife had possibly just raising them vegan? I don't know. Maybe this sounds wrong, but not necessarily, you know, giving them a choice to, to choose at some point. Because, I mean, if, if they if they were raised vegan, that's all they would have known. So was that something you all ever considered? They were raised vegan, but at the same time, they had uh the grandparents that they went to their house gotcha i mean i was just you know the beginning of my daughter when she was born i was a stay-at-home dad but when they would go to her grandparents house and stay there for the weekend while i was working they would you know get introduced to meat you know meat food you know because their whole tradition out there my wife didn't really cook out there so she would eat 
as much as she could because mm-hmm. she's Colombian. So their whole different culture is different than the Puerto Rican uh, culture. Yeah. So, you know, the more of the arepas and their, their, their way of doing stews and whatnot. So my daughter fell in love with that aspect. So I, I call my daughter an expensive child because she, <laughs> she would eat crab. She would eat mussels. She would eat shrimp. She would eat steaks. So that aspect, my son was more into it more, but it was more or less of trying to get him away from stuff. But it got to a point where the safest zone of him eating, actually eating, would be chicken nuggets mm. since he saw his sister. Yeah. So that's where everything switched right. And, you know, they ended up not really being truly vegan. I mean, they'll eat vegan once in a while, which is hard. But more or less, if we went to a vegan restaurant, it'll only be French fries. Yeah. Or they'll try their chicken, don't like it. I will have to eat it, and they were just eating French fries, mashed potatoes, <laughs> mac and cheese at points. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's a real task. That's interesting. Yeah. It, it's usually the reverse, right? It's usually us eating the French fries or the mashed potatoes. So. Yeah, it is. No, it's, it's the, no, I'll eat the French fries and I'll eat everything else. That's crazy. I mean, it was to a point, well, two weeks ago, we went to a vegan restaurant, last day at Vegas, ordered five different dishes. And I ate probably four out of the five dishes <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't want to eat it. They only do is drink the juice and that's it. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like you said, maybe, maybe in the future they'll, they'll become a little bit more open to it. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 I'm sure they will, man. Especially with, you know, having, having a chef as a, a vegan chef as a dad. Right. I mean, they'll get there. Maybe, maybe, maybe they won't go full vegan, but yeah, but it also, and also the culture of the schooling too, as well. And it's hard, it's hard to be a vegan in schools as well. Yeah, that that's true. I, I hadn't thought about that much until recently. I know um, I was living in LA for a couple of years and, and uh, the, the largest school district out there actually started offering vegan options to kids, uh, you know, on campuses on a daily basis. So, mm. um, but that's a relatively new thing, right? I, w- I would imagine that's probably not happening in, in, in New York or, or, I know for sure it ain't happening in, in Connecticut where I'm living, at least not that I'm aware of. I haven't heard about it. So yeah, right. That's not something that's happening there where you're at. No, nah, I mean, you know, they, 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 they always offer the, I mean, the food, the quality is better, but it's still the pizzas, yeah. you know, the spaghetti, you know, the meatballs and all that meat products, the sandwiches, but it's hard for kids to eat vegan when it comes to schooling because it's their options or they just don't eat or they'll get a bag of chips or whatever they can find. That's yeah. not, that's vegan, which I, I know some kids, I know my wife has a friend that she goes to school. She has to pack her school lunch every day because mm-hmm. there's just no vegan options for them to choose from. Wow. So it, it is hard as a kid growing up, if they are vegan, to go to school and eat vegan products. Yeah. Unless their parents really focus on cooking their meals every day and giving them lunch every day. Yeah. Which can be hard, which can be difficult for sure. Yeah. Where are you at exactly? I'm in, New, I'm in upstate New York. Upstate um, New York. Yeah. Uh, Orange County, Westchester County around okay. there. Uh, I'm curious, what's the, uh, what's the vegan scene like there? I mean, there's not that much places up here. Um, I mean, you, you'll catch a place here and there, but in order for you to find a good place, you'll have to drive like 30 minutes out to Beacon. The city, Jersey's about maybe about 45 to an hour, mm. which has some vegan options. Um, but it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's hard. Eventually, hopefully, I can open up another location of the restaurant up here to where there's more vegan options as well. I know in L.A., there was uh even here actually in in connecticut on occasion i see various vegan vendors getting together and just having you know hosting pop-ups together right you may go to one event and then we then we might be like 10 12 vegan vendors out there is there anything like that going on in your area 
Um, well, just recently, what, September? Yeah, September, we did Vegandale, which is the big uh, vegan mm. fest in New York City, which we did. Um, it was about 3,500 people, 35,000 people. Oh, wow. Showed up. Yeah, we sold out in four hours, five hours. Wow. It was, it was an all-day event. Yeah. So we did that. Um, there's a lot of pop-ups that are coming up. We're thinking about doing a few. Just, But there are a lot more in Jersey as far as pop-ups are concerned. There's one in Atlantic City. There's one in, I think, Westchester coming up in June. We're definitely doing Vegandale again in a, in a bigger scale as far as a full mm-hmm. kitchen, full-blown kitchen, maybe like a half a full full menu of a lot more vegan options since we already did it our first time and we knew ex- what to expect because we didn't know what to expect Yeah, due to COVID. But um, now we know what to expect. So the vegan culture, as far as pop-ups and the vegan fests that, that they're called in different locations is big. Um, but there's not as much as what it should be at this point. Like you have to travel at least a good, a, a good distance to get a good vegan meal. Yeah. If you're not in the vicinity of what veganism is. Yeah. I'm curious to know a bit about some of your other background. You said you were a DJ, right? Yes. How'd you get into that and how long were you doing it? I DJed for a little, but damn, had to be about 15 years. Um, it all just started going to my cousin's house every weekend. He had a little, a little DJ set up. I started DJing there, bought my own turntables, uh, started DJing there, practicing, started doing little, little hole in the wall clubs upstate. Um, I met a, a DJ crew. They took me under their wing. I started DJing that. And then I started venturing out uh, in the uh, MySpace days, <laughs> starting uh, meeting people there, and then started Facebook, met a club promoter out in the city, and then um, started DJing out in the clubs with the big time DJs out there. Uh, the DJ crew that I was up here, they started bringing reggaeton artists up here. You know, they're Don Omar, Daddy Yankee, uh, Aventura, all the big names started coming up here. We started DJing with them, opening sets until they performed. Um, and it just took off from there. Um, I didn't really make it as a career career, but it was a good, you know, extra cash in my pocket and having yeah. fun at night times. So, yeah, so that's how it all started. And that's how it all was. And then COVID hit. I just totally stopped DJing 100%. So you were doing it up until recently then? Yeah, yeah. So before COVID, I was still cooking. And then once it's done cooking, driving to the city and DJing. Yeah. And what kind of music did you primarily uh, play? Um, It all depends on the location. Um, It was usually, you know, reggaeton, hip hop, uh, some pop, electro, techno, all the the mainstream stuff that was popping back then. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much. But I... I, like venturing a lot a lot of different um music i mean there was places up here i had to dj country at some points oh wow <laughs> yeah country and music i've never even heard of you know punta, yeah. you know all that crazy stuff that i really were not never into but once you get once you get to know the the aspects of the bpms and the beats per minute yeah all that stuff you could blend everything into anything and make everything sound right. Obviously being a DJ, you have to have, I mean, not just an appreciation of music, but like a deep knowledge of different types of genres and everything. Was that something that was difficult for you to do, you know, become acquainted with things that you may not have been uh, familiar with before? Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, I was a, I was a hip hop DJ, uh, reggaeton DJ for, at first. Like that's all I used to do. I used to, all I used to do it. And then when I came with the DJ crew, they did a lot more Spanish uh, clubs and, you know, the atmosphere. So I had to learn different 
Spanish music. It's not mm-hmm. just Spanish music. It's a whole bunch of genres within the Spanish music. Yeah. So all that stuff I had to start learning how to do. You know, there's different music in Colombia. There's different music in yeah. Peru. There's different music in Ecuador. There's different music in Mexico. There's different music everywhere. So I had to learn how to learn their genre, learn their artists, and start blending into everything and trying to make it my own as well. Yeah. Working to all that that stuff. So it, that was a difficult task of DJing a Spanish club, knowing that you're not just going to play a bachata mix, a salsa, a reggaeton, a merengue, you're DJing punta, you're DJing yeah. all this other crazy stuff that you'd never even heard of and mm-hmm. still have to do it. Takes a lot of skill and a lot of talent, for sure. Yeah, it, it was hard. It was hard. I mean, you know, I think Spanish clubs are different than regular hip-hop clubs because mm-hmm. regular hip-hop clubs, you hear the same songs every time. You know what the club, what, what the crowd is, but when you do a Spanish club, you have 30 different people coming out to you, <laughs> you know, asking you a different song from a different genre every yeah. time. Yeah. So that 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 was really complicated when when you, when you become a Spanish DJ, yeah, is what they want to you know what they want to call it because mm-hmm. there's just so many genres within within a genre that yeah. that that that's hard. Yeah, and as far as music goes, music that you're a fan of, what are you listening to these days? Um, to be honest with you, I don't listen to that much music anymore. I'm more of a podcast, audiobook type person now. That's pretty much where I'm at right now. I mean, okay. music music has not been the same since the past. I'd rather listen to a 90s, 2000 music than listening to what I hear now. Yeah. I mean, there might be a song here and there, like, ooh, I'll listen to it. But um, usually it's 90s, 2000s where I'll start, you know, shrugging my shoulders and start getting into it. <laughs> but now, yeah, nowadays it's just a lot more audiobooks, a lot more podcasts, you know, learning, you know, trying to educate myself more with knowledges on different aspects of life and new careers and okay. nfts and all this other stuff yeah web threes or whatever they're calling it now just learning more stuff about that okay i, I definitely i think i'm gonna ask you a bit about that here in a second but all right you said you you, you like the the 90s and 2000 stuff yeah. if you don't mind me asking I, I actually asked somebody else this on a previous episode what are your top three maybe top five albums that you can listen through and it's in their entirety and i have to even skip a song it all had to be 90s, so it had to be Biggie, uh, Life After Death, uh, okay. DMX, probably, you know, all, mostly all of his albums I would listen to nonstop. Yeah. Um, listening to hip-hop back in the day, The Locks, We Are The Streets, I would will, I will play that on nonstop rotation. A lot of them old school, old school, Nas, Jay-Z's, nonstop, you know, The Blueprint, Blackout Albums, all that stuff, Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Yeah, yeah. Like all of those old schools, I would listen to nonstop from start to end because that's where the lyrics were. That's where everything came from. I mean, you listen to that and you listen to the, what, what you hear now and it's, yeah. So it's crazy. It's, it's crazy how music changed and how much I appreciate the back in the day music compared to now. As far as what you're listening to now is podcasts and, um, you know, audiobooks. What, what type of, you know, topics interest you in those? Um, well, I listen to a lot of Gary Vee. Um, you know, the whole influ- uh, influential uh, podcast about learning how to mm-hmm. do different things and aspects of uh, marketing and managing and how to grow your business more and learn using um, social media as a, as a platform to free publicity, free advertisement to get your name out there, to get all your stuff out there. So I listen to a lot of Gary Vee. Okay. Um, podcasts, I'll listen to Arm, Arm Experts with Dax uh, Shepard. That's a pretty good um 
podcast I listen to. It's mm-hmm. down to earth, you know, listening to, you know, experts as well as celebrities and how they list how, how they go through things. Uh uh Tim Ferris, I listen to a lot too as well. Um sometimes Joe Rogan, it all depends on how on, on what's on, what's not on. As far as audiobooks, I mean I will listen to some self-help books. It really doesn't help, but you know, I, I still listen yeah. to them sometimes just to see what what I missed, what I didn't miss. You know, parenting I used to listen to. I, I gave up on those because I think parenting's you basically your own parent and you learn every day. Every day is a new uh, educational experience when it comes to kids because every kid is different. Every yeah. parenting is different. So, you know, learning, le- learning all that stuff. But, you know, it's just array of different things that I feel like I had to listen to during the morning. Well, thanks again, man. Like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time, especially at the end of a long day to uh, sit down and talk. Uh, I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. No, thank you. This was fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ah, that's my first time. This is fun. If you ever feel like uh, doing it again, any new developments you may want to share, by all means, man, reach out and we'll, we'll do it again. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Armando for taking the time to share his story with Beyond the Kale. If you ever find yourself in the New York area and would like to try some of his vegan creations, here's a quick reminder of where you can go and do just that. Um, right now, I'm currently located at Brooklyn Organic Kitchen in Mayapack. We do a whole shitload of vegan food. If you're a couple that are half vegan, half traditional, come on down. Be well worth it. And if you're looking to connect with them online, BOK's Vegan Chef underscore. I just changed the name, so I kind of forgot my name already, which is funny. Yeah, it's uh, B.O.K. Underscore vegan chef on Instagram. Check me out. I, I post on occasion. It's hard for me to post, but um, I do post uh, all the vegan vegan food, all the events that's coming up. I'll be sure to include all of that information in the show notes for this episode. There, you'll also find links to the restaurants that he says are his go-to spots when he's out looking for delicious vegan food. Now, when it comes to this podcast, you can find Beyond the Kale on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Beyond Kale Pod. Feel free to follow us on any of those social media platforms and wherever it is you go to get your podcasts. And of course, thank you all very much for listening. We have more episodes on the way. So please definitely come back and check them out.